I'm sure you remember that song, I Can Only Imagine. It's by Mercy Me. It was it became popular back around 99, 2000, 2001. Uh, and since then, it's even been made into a movie, which was a pretty good movie. Uh, but the song, for me anyway, it's been played to death. You know, it's always on the radio. So I'm a little tired of it, but I remember hearing it for the first time back in those years. It was while I was studying God and, and the Catholic faith with more intentionality. I was really learning a lot of the facts about God that I didn't know. And hearing this song then was very powerful. I mean, having learned so many facts about God, I started to wonder, you know, what would it be like to be there, to be in heaven? I won't sing it for you. You're welcome. But the lyrics go like this. I can only imagine what it would be like to be surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? What will it be like to be there, standing in the presence of God? How will that encounter change a person? Uh, We can imagine what it will be like, for sure. But today's readings from God's actual word give us a hint. And they are summarized beautifully by these words from our catechism. Faced with God's fascinating and mysterious presence, man discovers his own insignificance. Before the burning bush, Moses takes off his sandals and veils his face in the presence of God's holiness. Before the glory of the thrice holy God, Isaiah cries out, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Before the divine signs wrought by Jesus, Peter exclaims, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. But because God is holy... He can forgive the man who realizes that he is a sinner before him. Both Simon and the prophet Isaiah found themselves in the presence of Almighty God. And their first reaction, the first experience they had, was a sudden acute awareness of their own sins. They felt immediately unworthy to be in that holy place in the presence of God. Simon asked Jesus to leave. Isaiah thought he would die. But then they both realized something incredible. Despite their sins, God, while perfectly just, was more than ready to forgive them if they would repent. We now know, perhaps better than Simon or Isaiah did at the time, that this is true. Because we know what's in store for Simon who would become known, of course, as St. Peter. He was to receive from God the power to forgive sins through the sacrament of reconciliation, which he, of course, handed on down through the Catholic Church. We still today receive God's mercy through this sacrament. So what was it like for them to encounter God? Well, first of all, it was humbling. But it's also energizing. It's an encounter that gives purpose and direction to our lives. It's an encounter from which no one should leave unchanged. The Lord asked, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah answered, here I am, send me. 
God then used Isaiah to speak to the world, to prepare the way, albeit remotely, for the coming of Jesus. Likewise, Jesus told Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And Simon left everything and followed Jesus. So, think about our own lives then. You know, we come here, we listen to the word of God, uh, we listen to a homily, we receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. We, right here, stand in the presence of Almighty God. We should be in this place then keenly aware of our own sinfulness and unworthiness to be here. You know, we kind of casually walk into this space. But if Peter had walked in here, he would would have immediately dropped to his knees. Jesus is here, right? We should be keenly aware of our need for confession, especially if we're guilty of mortal sin when we stand in this holy place. But then, having encountered the Lord and received his mercy, we are all, every one of us, called then to change our lives, to change them around, to offer them completely to the Lord. This is what we mean when we say that we all have a vocation in life. Vocation means a calling from God. Uh, It's a path that God hopes that each of us will choose. It's what each of us was made for, our vocation. I'm a Catholic priest. That's my vocation. It's what I am. Many of you are husbands and wives. But whatever our vocation is, we are going to be most happy in this life and the next if we answer the call, the vocation, generously. God invited Simon to put out into the deep to lower his nets for a catch. Now, Simon was an experienced fisherman. He'd spent the whole night out on the water, caught nothing. He knew there were no fish. This is his area of expertise. There are no fish. They were washing their nets. They were finishing up. But then Jesus told him to go out again. And at first, of course, it didn't make sense to him. But Simon trusted Jesus, and then he obeyed him. And suddenly, there were so many fish that the nets were tearing The boats were so full of fish, they were almost sinking. It was an overwhelming catch. Jesus asks us, too, to put out into the deep. He speaks. We should listen for his guidance in our lives. And we do that through prayer and through study and, of course, worship. And then when we hear him, we need to obey him, like Simon did, out of trust even if it didn't maybe make sense at first. Like Simon, we might be surprised at the fruit flowing from obedience to God's will. As I said, I think last week, I think we're afraid. We don't trust God enough. But Jesus tells us, with Simon, to be not afraid. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's some examples. God tells us to devote time to prayer. We worry it's going to be boring, a waste of valuable time, so we don't do it. But what if we did? What could happen? He tells us to devote Sundays to family and faith, but we worry we're not going to get the work done, so we go work. But what if we gave the time to God, 
what would he do with it? He tells us to share our wealth with the church and the poor, but we worry we're going to lack the things we want, so we cling to our wealth. But what would the reward from God be for a greater generosity? What good could we do? Faithful young people sometimes sense a nudge to consider the priesthood or the religious life. It can be a very frightening thing for them and for their parents. But what would happen if they at least investigated, if they were open to answering God's call and found supporting family and parents? What great things might God do through their lives? Young people sense a call to marriage. But all too often, out of fear, maybe, laziness, maybe, they settle for less than the sacrament of holy matrimony. They go with cohabitation, you know, living together outside of marriage. Or they go get married outside the church. Maybe they go to Vegas and find Elvis and he marries them or something. Uh, But what would happen if they answered the call from God to a true sacramental marriage? In the church, what graces might God pour out through the sacrament of holy matrimony upon that couple that would help them persevere through life? It might help generations of faithful Catholics, their descendants, to become saints in heaven forever. Marriage is such an amazing vocation, totally underappreciated by everyone today, it seems. Uh, Totally as a diversion from my homily here, but just go look at the bulletin board out there. Uh, does put up a bunch of your wedding photos. And some of you have been married for a long time. It's a very beautiful and good thing. Couples, too, sometimes find themselves expecting a child outside of ideal circumstances, maybe because of a lack of self-control or something. And they think they're not ready. Things aren't perfectly ready. Maybe there's a medical problem, and they're tempted in today's culture to end the life of their child. But God calls us to love everyone, mothers and fathers and their children, even their unborn children. What good might God bring about through the life of that new little child if his or her parents let them live? We might be surprised. Some good might come out of this. In all these and in countless other ways, if only we sought out and did the will of God, we might be surprised at the overabundant fruit that would flow from our actions as St. Peter and so on, as they were just blown away by boatloads of fish. They didn't catch one little fish. By obeying God, they got a huge catch. God is never outdone in generosity. And after all, the happiest people I've ever met are those who have realized their unworthiness to be in God's presence and service, but also have realized that God loves them dearly, wants to forgive them if they would just repent, and desires that they give their lives over to him completely. So let us all then acknowledge our sins, accept God's mercy and confession if necessary, and then do whatever it is he asks of us. We will never be disappointed if we live that generously.